One verse today, one verse, Proverbs 22, verse six. And we're gonna look at how to be a great dad right from that one proverb. Um, dads, you don't understand how important your role is. And it doesn't matter whether your kids are home or not, you've still got an incredibly important role in being a father figure. And some of you ladies out there, some of you non-dads out there, they're guys, whatever, you're zoning out on me right now and say, this is not gonna apply to me whatsoever. Listen, most of you, most of you are gonna be a dad eventually. A lot of you are. And listen to this, not only that, but uh, ladies, these principles we're looking at for being a godly parent, very important for you also. And some of you, some of you might never have kids, but you know what? You still can be a father figure in people's lives through your example, whether it be through children's ministry, or whether it be through youth ministry, whether it be a nephew or a niece, you still have an opportunity to apply these principles with kids in your lives. It's very important, very important. So I was reading this week about the importance of dads. Amazing how important dads are. And I was, I was reading some quotes, actually, from some famous figures on the importance of their dads in their lives. Let me read just a few of them to you. Michael Jordan said this. He said, my father used to say that it's never too late to do anything until you, uh, uh, anything you wanted to do. And he said, you never know what you can accomplish until you try. Um, Mark Twain, great quote from Mark Twain. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant that I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished how much that old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> Jim Vol, uh, Volvano, the uh, North Carolina State basketball coach, said, my father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. My father believed in me. It's a great gift, dads. Um, Mario Como, the former governor of New York, said, I watched a small man with thick calluses on both hands work 15, 16 hours a day, and I saw him once literally bleed from the bottoms of his feet, and a, a man who came uh, here to this country uneducated, alone, and unable to even to speak the American language, but he taught me all he needed to know about faith, hard work, by the simple eloquence of his example. Will Rogers Jr. put it this way, uh, my dad's heritage to his children wasn't words or possessions, but an unspoken treasure, the treasure of his example as a man and a father. Father figures, very important. Very important for, uh, uh, for people in our spheres of influence to have our example as dads. I was reading this week about the epidemic in our culture today of lack of father figures. Do you know 64% of kids in the inner city today, of our inner cities across this country, 64% have no father figure in their home, not even a living boyfriend in their home. They're just with a single mom, period. And I was reading this week the result of lack of father figures in our culture today. It said those with no father figure growing up in their homes, five times the chance of suicide, 32 times the chance of running away, 20 times the chance of behavior disorders, nine times the chance of uh, dropping out of high school, nine times the chance of going to prison if you have no father figure in your home uh, that you're growing up in. And praise the Lord, by the way, praise the Lord for those that have no dads that still make it and do well and become responsible, hardworking, good citizens in our country. But Fathers make a huge difference, but I want to talk about today not just being an example of hard work, not just being an example of success, not being an example of being responsible. I want to talk about being godly, 
principles for being a godly dad. We don't just need the presence of father figures in homes today in our culture. We need the presence of father figures that love God and are passing on a legacy of godliness to the next generation. And we're going to talk about that today in this one little verse, this one little nugget, Proverbs 22.6. So let's throw it up on the screen. And let's read it together. Ready? Church, on three. Ready? One, two, three. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, many of you have heard that verse before. Some of you memorized it. It's one of the most famous Proverbs in the Proverbs. Yeah, along with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths or make your path straight. That's right up there with some of the most famous Proverbs. And so we could just take this verse for granted, or we could pick it apart, dissect it, and apply it to us to be godly dads. And that's what I want to do this morning. So we're going to look at this one verse, and we're going to look at how to be godly dads and help our kids have a godly example and legacy for their lives. So first of all, what does it mean to train up? What's that word train mean? Um, why is it important to train up our kids in the way they should go? Because it says in Proverbs 29, 15, it says, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother, and I'd say to his father. Train up, train up. What does that word train mean? It's a, it's a Hebrew word. It means hanak in Hebrew. Five times it's used throughout the Old Testament to talk about dedicate. It's in Deuteronomy, it was used when they dedicated the temple. They trained up, they dedicated it. They dedicated that temple to the Lord. So train up, a part of training up a child in the way you should go is you're dedicating yourself and you're dedicating that child in such a way that you're giving that child to God and you're gonna do your best to give that child to God and set an example for that child to be godly through your example. It's kind of, it's gonna be an interesting second service for me because my uh, oldest son, John G., and his wife are going to be with us uh, for the second service in Adele, our first grandkid. I've never done this before. I've done probably over 100 baby dedications, but I'm going to dedicate in the second service the first hoppy grandkid. And I'll, my eyes will be sweating a little bit, I think. But what, am I, what is my son and daughter-in-law going to be doing with the dedication of Adele? They're saying, we are dedicating this baby to the Lord. And we're going to do our best to raise this baby in the ways and the instruction of the Lord. And this baby is going to be raised in a godly home, and we're going to give this baby to the Lord, and we're going to pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in this baby's life. That's a part of training, isn't it? It's where you dedicate the one you're trained to the Lord. You're saying, we're going to do our best to give you to the Lord and admonish you and instruct you and help you be someone who's dedicated to the Lord. But the word train is another interesting part of that word is this. The word train is also uh, interesting, there's a, there's a part of the word that means to make thirsty. It's a word that actually could be uh, talked about the, the, the Jewish culture, what they would do with their babies, is they'd give them a little bit of syrup to start the nursing process, to get that palate working, to be hungry. That's what, it, that's what the word can be translated, is to make hungry or thirsty. And, and actually, that's a part of training too, isn't it? You want to train your kids to start being hungry and thirsty for the ways of God. Now question, how can you help your kids be hungry and thirsty for godliness and the ways of God and have a relationship with God? By you being hungry and thirsty for God and the ways of God. You know, it's interesting, uh, the psalmist put it this way about that hunger. It says in, uh, in the Psalms about, in Psalm 42, 
verses one through two, it says, as the deer panteth for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And part of our training of our kids in the way they should go is they should see in our lives this hunger, this thirst for God, that you wake up in the morning, you wanna meet with God, and they see your Bibles open. And they see that you have this hunger and thirst for having this personal, intimate relationship with God. And I tell you what, that's contagious. It's infectious. And as you have this hunger and thirst for God, you, you, you give them, you infect them with the same thing. We go to this, these pastor conferences for Calvary Chapel. We go to Merritt Island for the Florida conference. We go to the one in Atlanta every year. And we take our whole staff. And one of the reasons why we do these conferences is because you get around 800 other pastors and leaders that are on fire for God, that fire is contagious. And we want to get it. We want to catch it. We want to have that same hunger that those other pastors and leaders have. And we do it every year. We go to at least one conference every year. We take our whole staff, and our staff's grown to the place that when wives go, we, we 15, 20 people go. And we go for these conferences because we want to get that fire and that hunger and thirst for God, and that's a big part of training our kids in the ways of God. Have a hunger ourselves and pass it on. Now the second part of that verse says, train up a child in the, listen, the way, the way they should go. That's a part of being a godly dad also, is not only have a hunger and thirst for God you're infecting them with, and, but also, listen, you wanna be a godly dad? You gotta train them specifically in the way of Jesus. It's one thing to train them to work hard. It's one thing to train them to be successful. It's one thing to train them to go get a job, son or daughter. But it's another thing to say, hey, my primary mission is not only to help you be successful as a child, my primary mission is to help you go the way, the way of Jesus. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now question, how do we do that? How do we train them in the way of Jesus? I'll give you three ways. If you're taking notes this morning, three ways to train them in the way of Jesus. First, very important, you want to train your kids in the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus. Then you've got to teach them God's word and sow God's word into their lives. First Peter 1.23 says, we're born again by the imperishable seed of God's word. And as we sow God's word into their lives, it builds a foundation for that godliness we're trying to train them up in. God's word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to, to divide soul and spirit. It's able to go to the joints and marrow of people's soul and judge the thoughts and intentions of their hearts. And as we get our kids into God's word, it's gonna train them to be godly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping according to thy word. Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And as we're sowing God's word into our kids' lives, it's, it's producing a foundation, a foundation for godliness. Hmm. Give you some other scriptures on that. <laughs> I love it. Proverbs 4, 1 through 5 talks about this. Hear, o, o sons, the instructions of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was the son to my father, tender and the only son on the side of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. And then Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, here it is, godly dads, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in what? What does it say? Bring your kids up in what? Discipline and what? 
instruction of the Lord. We're to discipline our kids, yeah, but we're to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. It's powerful. God's word, it says in Isaiah, does not return empty. It accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. And as you sow it into those, that next generation, it, it's amazing the difference it'll make. I grew up with uh, a dad that wasn't walking with the Lord, but a grandpa that was. And I've shared with you before, John G. Hoppe Sr., when we'd be at his house for dinner, whether it be the lake house up in Wisconsin, the condo in Oak Park, or the, the townhouse down in Florida, wherever we were at with him, after dinner, it was tradition. You didn't get away from Grandpa Hoppy's table without the Bible coming out and the daily bread coming out and reading the scriptures, reading the devotion, and then praying. And it sowed seeds into my life. I didn't get saved till I was 17, but there were seeds that were planted from preschool on through the sowing of God's word into my life. It's powerful. It's powerful. It brought me back to the Lord. It really did. It brought me to the Lord. Those foundation seeds that were planted in my life. Um, I'll never forget visiting Heidi Hoppy's Wildster at the time. First time, Iowa, the field of dreams. And I drove 10 hours from Chicago at Christmas time to go meet her family. She's got a big family, too. And I, I'll never forget it because I get out there to Iowa and we're in the middle of cornfields. I finally get to this place called Orange City, Iowa after 10 hours of driving through cornfields through Iowa. And I get there and it's evening time. And I'm supposed to be at the family dinner. And I get to Howard City, and I stop at a gas station because I am directionally challenged. And well, you know what that means? If I think I should turn right, I better turn left. So I get to this gas station and say, I'm trying to find the Wildster house. By any chance, this is a town of 5,000 people, by any chance would you know where the Wildsters live? Oh, we know where the Wildsters live. And I go, really? You know where they live? And they go, yeah. You go this way, and they gave me the streets to go left and right, and then out of town, they lived in this little house out of town, and they gave me the description of the house, and then they said this. This is scary. Then they said this. Hey, and they're having some kind of get-together tonight. Some, some guy from Chicago is coming in. <laughs> True story. It's towns like that, they know all your business. But I get there for dinner. We had this great dinner. It's all the house full of people, Heidi's brothers and sisters and all the kids that were already in the family and stuff. And then, and then after dinner, brought back memories of my grandpa, because Dad Wildster, as soon as dinner was over, Bible comes out, Scripture's read, and now as the Scripture read, there's prayer. Powerful. Power of God's Word. And listen, all of Heidi's siblings, they walk with Jesus. They're going the way of Jesus. Because God's word by Dad Wildster was sown into their lives. Amazing. The power of God's word. Amazing. Amazing. Our kids, when they were growing up, we didn't do it after dinner. We did it before they went to school because we sent our kids to public school. What we did is we read a chapter of scripture. Proverbs, we started with Proverbs. And we'd do a chapter of scripture, read through, have a happy kids in a circle. All read their verse. And then we'd read the whole chapter and then we'd pray before we sent them to public schools because we wanted them to have the foundation of God's word. And it's helped them. It's, it's, it's given them a legacy of godliness. See the power of God's word there, guys? It's an important thing. And again, you want your kids to love God's word and be people of God's word. What do you got to do? Not only sow it in their lives, but you have to have a love for God's word and you have to have a thirst for God's word yourself and you'll pass it on. 
My two, big, two of my biggest mentors in my life, Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of Calvary Chapel, and Dr. Dave, Bible college professor that mentored me, both those guys, they had a passion for God's word, godly men. And because of their passion for God's word, as I was around that, I, I, I love God's word too. Because I learned from these mentors the importance of loving God's word, being in God's word, studying God's word, being taught God's word. It's very important. As you get that, dads, you'll pass it on to your kids and it will be a foundation, a legacy of godliness for them as you love God's word and get them into God's word. Amen? Amen. Second part of this verse, that I, or second part of training up your child in the way it should go, is not only teach them the way of Jesus through sowing God's word in life, but also disciplining and correcting your kids when they're wrong. Again, going back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, we're supposed to bring our children, fathers, up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That's a part of training them in the way that they should go. It's very important for, for discipline to be a part of this process of teaching our kids to be godly. Why? Well, I'll give you some uh, Proverbs that tell us the importance of discipline. Proverbs. Just give you a bunch of them. Proverbs 13, 24. He who, withhold, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who disciplines him, or who, he who loves him, what? Disciplines him, what? Diligently. This is a good verse right here. Proverbs 22, 15. This is the spanking verse, you guys. You ready? Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will... Remove it far from him. It's like the rod of discipline, the board of education, applied to the seat of understanding. Right? <laughs> All right. Another uh, one of discipline, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen or Proverbs twenty-three thirteen. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him, <laughs> this is great. Although you strike him with a rod, he will not what. You shall strike him with a rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Then Proverbs 29, uh, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. See the importance of discipline there? Now, it says also in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, all discipline from the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who've been trained by it, see the word trained again? Trained by it. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You see that? Very important. Put that up on the screen again. That's a great verse. It says, peaceful fruit of righteousness is the result of disciplining your kids. I was raised in a home that was kind of liberal, not a lot of discipline, not a lot of spanking. It's kind of why I'm the way, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was raised in a home that didn't have a lot of that discipline. And then I got married to Heidi Wildster, a strong Christian family background. Then we started having kids. And when we had kids, we had kids. It was a bam, bam, bam. Like within, within you know, five years, we'd see them, boom, 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 three kids. The kids came along. And then the kids started growing, you know, infant, preschool. And the kids started getting attitudes, started being disobedient. And my wife started spanking my kids. I said, well, that's kind of harsh. You just in a bad mood or something, kidding my kids? What's going on here? Lighten up a little bit, will you? Supposed to have fun with these kids. 
And no, 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 no. When they disobeyed and they got disobedient from little guys on, it's bam, bam. And then she had this method. It was like, I'm going to count to three, and if you don't get obedient, you're getting spanking. And sometimes she would even make it to three. I'm going, what's the matter with you? Like this. And then I started seeing the peaceful fruit and harvest of righteousness in our kids' life as we apply discipline to their disobedience. And I got on board. And I, I repented of my lack of discipline and my, dis- my, just let them do what they want to do. No, that doesn't work real well. And I learned the importance of disciplining kids. And you know what? It, I've seen it. As we bring discipline into our homes, what happens is our kids start being obedient, and they start, no, they're not going to be perfect. They're still going to make mistakes. They're going to still get, need to get spanked some more. But they're going to learn the importance of authority, coming under authority and being obedient, and that's going to bless the rest of their lives, right? And now my kids are all grown up. I'm officially the shortest man in the Hoppy family. They're all bigger and stronger than me now. Really are. My, my oldest kid, we're doing dedication before next service, he's 6'5", 225. I won't mess with him anymore. My youngest boy, Daniel's 6'4", and he's about 220. Big guys. But you know what? I'm still, as a dad in their life, if they do wrong, I'm still going to correct. And I'm going to have the discipline of correction in their life because that's my job as a dad. Correction and discipline still my job, and it's still your job, too, even if your kids might be grown up. Discipline, important and part of training up your child in the way he or she should go. Okay, last thing I, that I think is important in this verse is if we're going to train them up in the way they should go, we need to model the way they should go through our own personal lives. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 11:1 1, to his spiritual children? He said this, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Another version says this, Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. That's an important part of training up our children the way it should go. We, we need to be, again, following hard after Christ and then just say, hey, 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 come on, imitate me as I imitate Christ, which means you can't give away what you don't got. If you want your kids to go in the way of Jesus, you gotta be going in the way of Jesus. If you want your kids to love God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength, with a passion, you gotta have that too. If you want your kids to be a part of church even after they're out of your house and be discipled through church and be a part of serving the Lord at church somewhere, hey, you be a part of church. You get involved in church, and you serve the Lord in the church that God's called you to, because you're telling your kids to follow you as you follow Christ. If you want your kids to be faithful to their spouses, and be faithful till death do you part, then you be faithful to your spouse. Follow me as I follow Christ. If you want your kids to not use curse words every other sentence, then for goodness sake, dads, don't be telling them not to curse, and you're cursing every time you hit your thumb with a hammer or something, right? If you want your kids to go the way of Jesus, then you pursue the way of Jesus yourself. As Matthew 6, says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness so all things can be added unto you. Can I get an amen for that, please?
<laughs> uh, Lamentations 5.7 puts it this way. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and it is we who have borne their iniquities. Wow. You know what that's saying? There's a ripple effect of sin. You know, one of my main motivations for being obedient to God's word, and I blow it, I make mistakes, I fail all the time, but I, 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 I'm pursuing holiness. And one of my main motivations for that is because I love God. And I know he's served me well on the cross, Jesus has. And I want to go the way of Jesus and be obedient to his ways because I love him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? But I have a secondary motivation for being obedient to God's commandments and going the way of Jesus. And that is, I want, I want not only to be blessed because of my obedience, I want my obedience to bring a blessing to the next generation and the generation after that. And I know that a lot of, I could say, follow the way of Jesus with, with time blue in the face. But if I'm doing it, and I'm pursuing Jesus, and I'm going the way of Jesus, it's going to have a power and effect on my kids and my grandkids and the generations to follow. And I want those next generations to be blessed because of the legacy of godliness that's being passed down to them. Remember what Joshua said? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Remember what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 30? He said, hey, the rest of you people, you make your choices whether you're going to serve foreign gods and go after the world and the flesh, all that stuff. Hey, but there's a choice here. Life or death, blessings or cursings. And what did Moses say? Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Hmm. Some of you might be here this morning going, oh man, I've done everything I can. I've done what you said, John. I've, I've, I've done my best to to, you know, to sow God's word into my kids' lives. I've done my best to model it to them. I've done my best to, to live it out. I've done my best to discipline them. And my kids are not following Christ. They're not going the way of Jesus. Look at that verse again. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not, what? Depart from it. In other words, there's a promise there. If you've done everything you could do, if you've trained them and sowed God's word and modeled it and brought discipline and training into their lives, hey, they might, be, they might be AWOL for a season, but there's a very good chance because of the seeds you've sown when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. They go back to it. Again, one of my heroes, Billy Graham, had a prodigal son. And, and take comfort. You know, hey, If you've got prodigal kids, take comfort because great people of God have had prodigal kids. Billy Graham being one of them. Oh, listen, even the Heavenly Father has a lot of prodigal kids, doesn't he? And even Jesus had Judas, right, after three years of discipleship. Take heart, take heart. See, God, some of the most godly people have had prodigals. Billy Graham being one of them. Franklin Graham, I've heard stories from Ruth Graham about Franklin Graham when he was a kid. He was so rebellious and such incorrigible that she'd take her four or five kids to McDonald's and she would put Franklin Graham in the trunk of the car because he caused so much trouble with the other kids. And then you'd get the Happy Meal or wherever else, and she'd go at the fast food place, and she'd get the Happy Meal, and she'd get the other kids fed, and she'd go back to the back of the trunk, open the trunk, give him his Happy Meal, and close the door. <laughs> True story. 
And then Franklin, Gra- Franklin Graham, as he got older, he got involved in crazy stuff in his teenagers, drinking and drugging and all kinds of stuff. But train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Look at Franklin Graham now. Great evangelist. Following his dad's footsteps. Started Samaritan's put, Purse, which helps literally tens of thousands of people around the world in crisis situations all the time. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when they're old, <laughs> they were not depart. Just hang on to that promise if you've got some prodigal kids, right? Another one of my favorite Calvary Chapel pastors, uh, Raul Reese. He had a son, Ryan Reese, and his son, again, prodigal, got involved with a sportswear company, started his own company, got really rich from all the California sportswear and shoes he was selling, and then he started promoting concerts by artists like Korn. I mean, evil concerts, and he made more money doing that. One day he was in a hotel room after being a part of this crazy, evil concert late at night, and the emptiness of his soul led him to open the door or the whatever of his dresser right by his bed in the hotel room. And he found a Gideon Bible and he read it for the rest of the night. And he repented. Now he's walking with the Lord and like his dad, he's being an evangelist doing concerts still, whosoever concerts. And he's presenting the gospel and leading a lot of young people to Christ. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Amen? Amen? Dads, dads, please, please, follow what we're talking about here. Sow God's word into your kids' lives. Have a thirst and a hunger for God's word yourself. Dads, please, don't just tell them what to do. Show them what to do. Set the example. Go the way of Jesus. And dads, please, don't be afraid to correct in love, <laughs> in love, and bring discipline. Remember, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Have a loving relationship with them, but hey, set some guidelines and cons- uh, some correction and train them up with the discipline and the ways of the Lord. Train them up in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word this morning, God. Thank you that as we hunger and thirst for your word, God, that you produce a godliness in us. And Father, I just pray right now for all the dads in this room that they would stick with the way of Jesus. I pray that they wouldn't just tell the next generation the way of Jesus, this is the way you should go, but they should be, they'd be following hard after Jesus themselves, seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness so that you can add all things unto them and to the next generation, Lord. Father, forgive us for the ways that we go AWOL sometimes ourselves. Forgive us for the ways that our hearts are prone to wander. And Father, help us to be a people, a generation that says, I don't care what the rest of the world's doing. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Help us to be a generation of people, God, that of parents, Lord, that say, hey, I'm gonna choose life, not death. I'm gonna choose blessing, not cursing. Father, I pray for every dad, grandpa, whatever in this room, that you give them a renewed commitment this Father's Day, this Father's Day, to go the way of Jesus and to set that legacy of godliness for the next generation, Lord. Father, I pray for people that have prodigals right now, Lord. I pray that you give them a fresh hope from this verse, that they've done their part, now they're just gonna trust you, Lord, for those prodigals to come home 
and go the way of Jesus. And I pray for whatever parent that might be here today, whether it be a mom or dad, that has some prodigals. Give them faith. Give them assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. Give them the patience, Lord, to wait and to just set, keep setting the example of them personally following hard after you, God, and loving you with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and all their strength so they can pass it on. And I pray for those prodigals that are out there, Lord. Help them to come to their senses and come home and come back to you, God. Father, thank you for being a good, good father. And thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said. Let's all stand, church.